Look at your neighbor as you're seated this morning. Tell them it's good to be in God's house. How many of you got surprised by some snow this morning? Anybody see snow when you went outside? All right. It's, uh, it's kind of a fun time of year. It's December. Guess we shouldn't be surprised. But I talked to some folks who seemed a little surprised today by what was going on with the snowstorm. They said, hey, I thought it was going to rain, but it, it caught up with us and snowed. Well, this morning we, we returned to the series entitled War Footing, although realistically this is something that could be part of this series but also could easily be something that's a a little bit separate altogether and the reason I say that is we're going to be in the same section of scripture in the book of 2nd Kings today still dealing with an account about one of the the kings of Judah kings of Israel but at the same time during our war footing series we talked about spiritual preparedness as you look at at the topic that's in front of you, maybe on your bulletin, it talks about no repentance or no salvation without repentance. But as I was getting ready, even this morning, I was thinking to myself and, and really just feeling what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about our time in the Word today. And I really felt like we could better express this by saying, I want to talk to you about God's amazing love. About the love that God has for every person that we are in this room every individual there's not one person today friends that God does not love you let's go to the word of God today we're going to read about a young man a boy really in fact when we first hear about him his name is Manasseh we begin to hear about him in first Kings chapter 21 and and this is what it says Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned for 55 years, he was the longest reigning king in Judah's history. His mother was Hephzibah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Following the detestable practices of the pagan nations, and the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He constructed altars. Baals and set up an Asherah pole just as King Ahab of, of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens and both the courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. As you begin to read a passage like that, in fact, as I read it in this service and read it in the first, I heard people at different times kind of, Breathe heavily or almost gasp. When you think of a leader, you think of a, a man like Manasseh who went so wholeheartedly in the opposite direction of his father as Hezekiah. You know, the setting for today is really not that long after the last time we talked about Hezekiah's reign. If you remember, it was only 15 years prior to this that Hezekiah had been praying For the city of Jerusalem, they were surrounded by the Assyrians. 
God had said that he would protect that city. And by his marvelous, miraculous hand, God delivered the people of Judah from the king of Assyria, slaying 185,000 of the enemy army members in one night. It was about that same time, we read about it a few weeks ago, that Hezekiah personally became ill. Scripture says that the prophet Isaiah came to him and said to him, get your house in order, you're going to die and not live. The word of God records that he looked at the wall and he began to cry. And as Isaiah left and was still in the courtyard of the palace, God spoke to him because Hezekiah prayed and said, I want you to return to my servant, Hezekiah, and tell him that I'm going to give him 15 more years. We don't know all of the details. Some Bible historians believe that the reason that Hezekiah was so consumed with grief at that moment was the fact that he did not have an heir, possibly. We don't know all the details of what was going on from biblical history, but we know this, that in the intervening 15 years that God gave to Hezekiah, a little boy was born and his name was Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when really tragedy struck his life because his father died. And and I want to just speak to each of us here today and say that There really isn't a person in this room whose life in one way, in one shape or form, has not been touched by a tragedy, by a deep pain, by a situation that was probably many times outside of your control. Into this time came this boy king. His name was, as we said, Manasseh, and he was only 12 years old when he ascended to the throne. I have to believe that in a lot of ways he felt very ill-prepared for life. How many of you have ever felt ill-prepared for life? He probably looked around and many people talked about how great his father was. What What an amazing man that his dad, Hezekiah, had been about the great things that had happened. And yet now he finds himself in a position of responsibility. And so today I want to start with what we'll call the obvious. How many of you know that sometimes we overlook the obvious? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is something very obvious. Sin always has a consequence in our life. You know, Manasseh became king, and as a lot of young people do, he decided to try doing things his own way. A lot of us have done that. A lot of us at one time in our life have have said, you know what, even though there may have been somebody who came before us who did it one way, I think I'm going to try my wings in another way. We know that he lived a wild life because it's recorded right here in Scripture. He bowed before all the powers of heaven and he worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord. Scripture says that he in fact served the Baals and the Asherahs. And that's kind of interesting because he went to what the other kings had done Ahab specifically, and he tried doing it that way. Can I tell you, a lot of people go to what others have done, didn't work, but they think that the result this time might be different. There's something else that's interesting. You have to be careful attention. It says that he worshipped all of the host of the heavens. How many of you saw that? That's, that's a new thing. Because you see, now the Babylonians were on the rise. And their gods were not the Baals, their gods were not the Asherahs, as we'd heard about many times before. They served the starry host of heaven. 
were the ones who would bow down to, to the, the starry host. And as that was the newest thing, you see, Manasseh said, I'm going to try something new. I, I'm not going to do the old things. I'm going to do the new things. I'm going to try something different. He even goes so far, and I think this is one of the things that probably troubles many of us so much, is it says that he sacrificed his son in the fires. Now, there's a lot of different ways that can be interpreted. Did he pass him through a fire in dedication to an evil God? Or did he literally slay him as an offering to a God where it was a sacrificial offering? We're not really sure. But either way, speaks of really the, the depravity of his heart. Now, let me say, I'm thankful for young people. How many of you are thankful for kids and for young people? How many of you know that Christmas is really a lot more fun if kids are around? Have you noticed that they can get excited and inspired about things? In fact, last year, Ruth and I had the opportunity of, we were just doing some little fun things around Christmas time. And uh, Sister Cindy's little girl, it was, I think, about three at the time. And, and we just bought, bought, filed something at the store and said, hey, you know, she'd like these. These are bubbles. You know, how many of you know as a kid you like bubbles? And so I thought, these are impactful. And she's going to love these. And so a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, I was asking her about Christmas, and I said, hey, last year, did you get some bubbles for Christmas? And she's like, no. And I was like, wow, you know, I thought that was impactful. I thought that would be fun. And then she said, oh, the color bubbles. She kind of made me feel a little better. She said, yeah, I remember those. I was like, okay, that's good. But you know, kids do stuff. Sometimes in our youth, we do things, and people wink at it. Have you ever noticed that? They'll kind of give you a pass. I came across some Proverbs that they had kids finish. They gave them the opening section and just wanted them to finish in the last little piece. So here's some of their answers. Strike while the bug is close. Was their answer. It's always darkest before daylight savings time. I mean, absolutely. Next one. Never underestimate the power of termites. Don't bite the hand that looks... Dirty, yeah, no, I'll go with that, absolutely. Here's one, this speaks to right where we are today. You can't teach an old dog new math. It's impossible, they will not get it. Where there's smoke, there's pollution. <laughs> now this one we know must have been done recently because it was this. A penny saved is not much. <laughs> yeah, forget it, who cares? If at first you don't succeed, this was probably around Christmas time, get new batteries. I mean, that was the answer. If, it, if this not working, probably the batteries, get new batteries. See, a lot of times we smile at the, the, the things that kids do, and it's good because it's fun. But let me tell you, sometimes we smile at the errors of youth. We smile at our own errors. But can I tell you, there's not one of us, not one in this room who doesn't have some regrets looking backwards. I do. Anybody else? Oh, I mean, I could probably raise both hands because I have more than one. As I look at in the rearview mirror of my life and say, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have handled that differently. But our regrets are our regrets. They don't belong to somebody else. They belong to us. And most of the time about our foolish decisions, we look around and say, if I had a second chance, I would do it differently. But here's what I want to talk to us about as a portion of our theme today. God is a God of second chances. There's not one of us in this room who hasn't needed a second chance. Oh, this isn't a message to nudge your neighbor and say, this one's for you. Can I say today, this one's for me. 
This one's for all of us. You know, we know that we can legalize sin, and I've talked to you us about this before, but I do want to remind you that you can never change the consequences of a sin. Scripture puts it this way, the wages of sin is death. There's nothing you can do about that. Interestingly, God did not ignore the, the sin or exercise, excuse the, the youthful folly of Manasseh. Instead, he rebuked him and he called him to repentance. And, and this is something that's amazing to me. And it's something that stood out to me because I've had a lot of people, not one or two, but several talk to me about this recently, about sometimes how hard it seems to hear the voice of God. And, and as I was thinking about that, listening to, to what the Lord was speaking to me today, I, something just dawned on me. Do you know a lot of times we struggle to hear the voice of God because all of us are guilty of it. We really want God to appear deliberatively and to speak to us in a powerful way. If he needs to send an angel that's glowing, that would be okay. If he needs to speak to us audibly like he did to Paul on the Damascus Road, that would be fine. That's what we're looking for. But let me tell you, friends, in all of my life, God has never sent an angel to me. In all of my life, he's never spoken to me audibly. But it hit me today... As I read through this passage and prepared for our time together today, how often God speaks to us. Here it is, right in God's Word. 2 Kings 21, verses 10 through 13. Then the Lord said, here it comes, through his servants, the prophets. Did you know every time you come to church, God speaks to you? Did you know that every time that you pick up your Bible, God speaks to you? Did you know that you can turn on Christian radio or TV, and God can speak to you. How do you know that? I'll give you an example from my own life just a few weeks ago. I was sitting in one of the men's Bible studies watching a video on a screen. And as I was watching this man that I'd never met and probably will never meet, he was sharing a a, a, a devotion, a, a word from God. And as he spoke it to me via a video that was playing on a projector, a guy I've never met, I said to myself, that is a word that God is speaking to me. It says, Then the Lord said through his servants, the prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land. Before Israel, he's caused the people of Judah to sin with the idols. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. The only time that we really hear God talk about that, the ears tingling is when it's really used in a negative context. Then it says, I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard. Look at somebody say, same standard. Can I tell you God's fair? God uses the same standard. So here it comes. By the same standard I use for Samaria and the same measure I use for the family of Ahab. God says, I'm not going to judge Ahab differently than the house of David. I'm going to judge them all the same. I've seen the t-shirt. It's kind of funny. I've laughed at it. It says, God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. Anybody ever seen that? And maybe it's meant as a joke. But the truth is, do you know some of us believe that? We, we live our life like that. I really kind of am God's favorite. I just know it. But God judges the same. Listen to what it says next. I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish and turn it, turns it upside down. So he says, I'm going to make this a complete 
There's going to be judgment that follows this. Now, here's what I thought. If you heard a, a message, a prophetic word like that, how many of you think that gets your attention? Not a single person in the room. Okay. You know what the, the reality is? Is that we hear those prophetic words or those words spoken through God's word or through a minister or sometimes through a friend or a godly family member. And sometimes we do like Manasseh does. We say, well, that's not really for me. That's not really for today. It tells us in verse 16, Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sins that he'd caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. And you say, well, pastor, this seems kind of negative. Well, we're going to kind of turn the page on the negative, but how ma- I just want to state the obvious that sin has consequences. I can't change it. You can't either. There are consequences. This leads us to something else. There's, there's a consequence of, of just continuing on, or we might call it unrepentance. Just stay in the course of doing the same thing. If we were only to read the book of 2 Kings, we would see that only Manasseh's depravity. But God gives us an additional insight in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 33. And there was something interesting else that leaped to to, to me off of that, which is this. Some people, maybe the author of Kings, will only see the negative in your life. But let me tell you, God has an ability to see the positive even when other people or other accounts are only negative about you. God believes in the potential that he placed in you. He believes in his ability to redeem you. In chapter 33 of 2 Chronicles, verses 10 and 11, it says, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and the people, but they ignored all of his warnings. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. He was taken away as a slave. There was a season, it seemed like Manasseh could do whatever he wanted. He was the king. He could do what he wanted. Great parallel to us. Can I tell you today, you can do what you want. Any person in this room, because you have the ability to exercise free choice. You can do it. But here's the danger. We think if we do something and nothing happens to us right away, it's probably okay. We'll probably get by with it. Probably not going to happen. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. It's going to be okay. We do that, and I know it's true because I've seen the way people drive. Do you know that people drive with the belief that nothing's going to ever happen to them until they see red and blue lights behind them, right? And then suddenly they say, you know what? Maybe there is a consequence to, to what's going on. Today we think that evil is riding roughshod. Sometimes we look around at other people. Maybe you're doing the right thing today. And you feel that people who aren't doing right, they never are called into judgment. Remember what it says in Psalm 11, verses 3 through 7. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. And a lot of people say, amen. That's right where we are. And they'll go further. What can the righteous do? I've heard a lot of people do that. What can we do? But the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches Everyone closely. Look at somebody and say everyone. The, the Lord watches everyone closely. Did you know God is watching you today? Did you know that God is watching me? He's watching every one of us closely. Examining 
every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. Can I tell you that God knows when you do good? <laughs> he knows when you're naughty or nice. The true, the true test of whether or not it stands in right standing is with God. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. For the, Lord, for the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtuous will see his face. You see, Manasseh is an example of somebody who didn't think it would, could get this bad this fast. There's an old saying that goes like this, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Will keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. One account describes the fact that Manasseh was tricked by the Babylonians. He was caught by trickery and taken into bondage. It, what a parallel. Can I say, friends, sin always tricks us. It always says to us, it's not going to really be that bad. It'll be okay. It really won't cost you that much, but it always costs us more. It always has a price tag that's too high. And can I stop to say today, you don't have to fall this far, but many people in Scripture, many people who are great people struggled with a failure. You know, it was Moses who was a, a murderer, but God still chose to use him. It was Abraham, that great man of faith, who struggled with lying. It was David, a man after God's own heart, who got twisted up in a terrible act of adultery and also in a murder. We think in the New Testament of a man like Peter, the rock, who would deny in one night three times that he even knew Jesus. We think of a guy like Thomas. Maybe his wasn't as outward but he battled with doubts. He battled in his mind. Can I tell you, a lot of you struggle, who your struggle is, is in your mind. You battle with your doubts. Can I tell you, in every one of those cases, God was a God of a second chance. God was a God of grace. But you look at a, a person like Manasseh and you might say, man, he seems like a bad guy. I really think he's one of those that I would scratch off the list. You know, there's some people that you already want to scratch off the list. Come on now. There's that family member or that person that is in the workplace. How many of you have ever listened to a football or baseball or basketball game and know that they have a play-by-play -play commentator, but they have another person who's called the color commentator? They add excitement to the game. Oh, back in the old days of Monday night football, how many of you remember the days with Howard Cosell? Anybody remember the? Oh, yes. And there was a guy who was with him. Well, they usually had a threesome in the booth, but one of the guys who was with Howard Cosell up in the booth was a man by the name of, they called him Dandy Don Meredith. Oh, my goodness. Some of you are going back a ways. When the game came close to the end and it was obvious that time had run out and that there was no hope, Good old Dandy Don would break into a song and he would begin to sing. Turn out the lights, the party's over, right? They say good things must come to an end. And he would begin to bring it home that it was done. You know, you look at Manasseh's life. And I think you can begin to hear Dandy Don Meredith's voice, right? Turn out the lights, Manasseh. The party's over. There's no hope for you. But I want to remind you today of the best part of this account. It's the power of repentance and the love 
of God. The love of God. You see, it was Charles Spurgeon who said, speaking of Manasseh's life, that he's like the prodigal son of the Old Testament. He was a man who was born in a good home. Hezekiah was his dad. But he went astray. It says in the 13th verse of this passage in 2 Chronicles, and when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. I don't want you to miss that. God hears you when you pray. Sometimes we don't think God hears us, but I want you to know God hears you. And can I tell you, God is moved by your request. When you are desperate and God, you're calling out to God, he hears you. It says, after, in the midst of this, God showed mercy to him. He, he lets him go home. He causes them by a means that we can't grab a hold of for the Babylonians to say, ah, just send him back. Can I tell you, friends, when Satan's had you locked into a place that you thought was hopeless and you said to, to God, God, I just can't do it another day, but I'm calling out to you for your mercy that God has the ability to unlock the prison door and to swing it open and to say you're free. You're free. We go back to scripture. It says, after this, Manasseh rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David from the Gihon Spring in the Kidron Valley to the Fish Gate and continuing around the hill of Ophel. He built the wall very high and he stationed his military officers in all of the fortified towns of Judah. Manasseh also, now listen, removed the foreign gods and the idols from the Lord's temple. He tore down all the altars and he built, he had built on the hill where the temple stood and the, all the altars that were in Jerusalem and he dumped them outside the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it. He also encouraged the people of Judah to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. That's what I have to believe happened. There was a day, Manasseh was coming home, and there was probably somebody on the, on the top of the wall of Jerusalem, and they said, here comes a company of people. And they said, who does it look like? And as they looked, somebody said, I think it looks like, you're not going to believe this. This looks like old King Manasseh coming home. And how many of you think that the people in the city said, oh, great. I thought we got rid of him. I mean, that guy has been nothing but trouble. They're sending him back. Hasn't it been bad enough? I can only imagine what we're going to go through next. But he came back and they had an anticipation of what it was going to be. But Manasseh was changed. He came back and as he's restored to the position of the kingship, he says, the things that I did, I I blew it. I, I was wrong. Tear down all of those things that we put in the temple of God. Get, get that stuff out. Throw them away. It's rubbish. It's nothing. Can I tell you, friends, when God touches our heart, He restores right thinking. He gives us a clean mind. He gives us clear thoughts. We've all been there. You ever been there in the morning when you wake up and you open your eyes? And as you open your eyes, you look around and say, wow, it's morning. It's a new day. This is a new opportunity. 
There's something about Manasseh that completely changed because we see that before he was only seemingly centered on himself and doing his own new thing, but now he's concerned about building up the walls and protecting the people of God because he knew something. It's a truth that applies to all of us. There's a lot of sin out there, and those you care for the most need to be protected from that sin. They need to be protected from those dangers. He began to use his own experiences and say, I need to protect those that I can from the things that are on the outside. Like many, he still had some areas where he wasn't perfect. Scripture says that they still offered only to the Lord in various high places. They were only supposed to really do it in one place, but he, he, he got many of the things right. And then we hear as musicians come, he rests with his fathers. And I read several different people It talks about this. There was such a transition in his life that the end of his life was truly a point of rest. You know, for us today, for every one of us, I can't help but believe that we can all think of a time today, this last week, I don't know, that you needed a second chance. Oh, maybe you haven't fallen to the levels that Manasseh did, but can I tell you that God loves you so much that you don't have to fall that far before he'll chase after you. You know what is interesting to me? Is that God doesn't give up on us easy. Have you ever wondered why it seems like wicked people live a long time? Anybody? Seriously. It just seems like they just won't go away. Why is it that Manasseh reigned the longest, 55 years? I think one of the answers is because God kept chasing him. He wanted to, he knew that if he could, if he just could, he would reach Manasseh. Can I tell you? That's where God is with each of us today. He's not going to give up on chasing you. But His grace. He's extending a second chance today. And for some of you this Sunday morning, you need to take that chance.